three times the people said they were leaving because they didn't feel appreciated in comparison to compensation issues. Not 3% more, not 30% more, three times. You got it? It's an issue for employees. And if you want to keep them, you need to pay attention to this. Not feeling appreciated was three times more likely to predict employee attrition than issues with compensation. Wow. We're going to hear more from Dr. Paul White on this episode of the Pathway to Purpose podcast from FCCI. I'm Ken Powell, your host. And if this is the first time that you're learning of Dr. White and his impact through the Appreciation at Work organization, well, it is my honor to introduce you to Dr. White here today on this episode. We've enjoyed having Dr. White as a guest on our webinar in the past, and you can actually find those webinars on the FCCI official YouTube channel. I'll include links to those in the podcast notes, along with a link to the Appreciation at Work website, where you can plug into the wealth of resources and assessments that they make available. And what you're about to hear on this episode was delivered at this year's FCCI International Conference. Hey, and by the way, if you haven't yet made plans to attend the 2024 conference at Lake Tahoe, you need to do it. And I'll be sure to include a link to this year's conference in the podcast notes as well. You know, I've mentioned in the past that I have the honor to facilitate business leadership groups every week here at FCCI, and I can assure you that the conversation about hiring great people and retaining great employees is ongoing. Not needing to incur the huge expense and the productivity cost of searching for and onboarding replacement talent, it's always at the forefront, this conversation. So I know this content today is going to resonate with you, our audience, and as we dive into this message from Dr. White, let me remind you that you can also view the video version of the podcast with Dr. White's presentation slides on our YouTube channel. Just search for FCCI Official on YouTube and then navigate to our podcast. And now, here's Dr. Paul White. In the middle of my career, um, around 2000, a little before, and then for the next 15 to 18 years, I traveled around the country working with family-owned businesses, uh, largely successful ones that we were uh, dealing with um, business succession planning and wealth transfer planning. And I was the family guy trying to help the, the senior couple agree on things and then communicate clearly to the family. And so in the midst of that, I was in North Carolina working with a family, a, a highway construction company, and I uh, walked into the father and CEO's office and I said, you know, how's the plan going? And he said, it's going well. My son's stepping up. I think it's going to work. So I walk across the hall to where his son was and I asked him the same question. And his answer was, this is a disaster. It will never work. I can never please my dad. And um, I could understand that from some personal experience. And um, I thought, you know, I wonder if the five love languages with my wife and I were going through probably the third time, because I'm sort of a slow learner on that kind of thing. And I um, thought, well, I wonder if this could work in workplaces. So I actually wound up pursuing Dr. Chapman for about a year. He had sort of the nicest bulldog assistant that I could not get through to meet with him, but finally did pitch the idea, and uh, we developed the online assessment that uh, I'll tell you a little bit about, and then started doing some trainings with nonprofits and schools and churches and small businesses that friend zone, and then uh, wrote the book together and uh, came out originally in 2011, 
and then we revised it a couple of times. So that's sort of the, the story. Now, those of you that are, know your preferred love language, let me just tell you that that does not mean that you know your primary language of appreciation. We've actually done some research that found that about two-thirds of the time, uh, your primary love language is one of your top two appreciation languages, but it's not a one-for-one correlation. And as we'll talk, just knowing a person's language isn't sufficient in the workplace. So let me tell you a little bit about me. I'm a psychologist, and just to make sure we understand, psychiatrists are physicians who largely these days use medication to deal with behavioral and emotional issues, right? Psychologists are people who go to school for a really long time to be able to charge you a lot of money to give you the same advice that your mom and your grandma gave you, and if you would have listened then, you wouldn't have to see us now. So I, I understand the value proposition there. All right. Um, And uh, I'm pretty straightforward and practical. I grew up outside of Kansas City. I'm a Midwesterner. I have lived in Chicago, uh, Phoenix, and Atlanta, so I have the right to say y'all, and even all y'all, because I lived here for four years, but uh, I'm not a Southerner for sure. And um, let me just mention this, um, and we'll circle back to this, but you may want to write this down. This is my email for this event. It's yes, Dr. Paul, Gmail. And if you put FCCI in the subject line, I'm going to send you both the slides and a bunch of other information. So it's yes, Dr. Paul at Gmail. Now, uh, and I like to have fun. Anybody else like to have fun? Okay, I got two people over here. All right. Does anybody else like to have fun? All right. Do you know that learning goes better when you're having fun, right? And you remember it more and have positive associations with it. So uh, we'll try to have a little fun. I have a a laugh track table. Let's try them out. Thank you. Yeah, I I always plant those just in case the group misses the joke. I just point to them and they, you know, help make it go. All right. So here's here's, uh, a cartoon that is sort of sad, actually. And this is not our goal. Um, uh, He gets a certificate saying, not our worst employee. Um, And he says, well, just the same. It's nice to get an award. And uh, I feel bad for him that he's got really low self-esteem, but, um, you know, that's not what we're going to talk about here. Tonight, I want to share four misconceptions with you that most uh, leaders uh, have about appreciation. Tomorrow, I'm doing a a breakout session in the morning uh, that we're going to go deeper into the five languages of appreciation. We're going to go over it a little bit and then also how to apply it. So the first misconception is that Employee recognition and authentic appreciation are the same thing, and they clearly are not. Uh, They do overlap, they can, that we can recognize people for uh, good work and uh, achieving tasks, but for us, a key is that it needs to be authentic. And actually, you can go through an employee recognition program and not really care about the person or believe in it, you're just sort of, that's your role to do. And so... Um, I've worked in settings where one person asked, well, why does it have to be authentic? And I was stunned, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. But uh, it, I'm not here to teach people how to look like they appreciate somebody. We really want to get to the heart of the matter. And there are some difficult people that uh, are harder to appreciate than others. And don't point at anybody right now, but um, we, we can get past that. 
So here, here's, uh, unfortunately, a way a lot of some corporations and organizations do. He says, every time you do something right, I'll punch your rewards card. And when you reach 10,000 punches, you earn a high five. Um, and that's what some recognition programs are like. They're, they're like, you have to do a lot of little things to get not much more. And we want to get past that. So uh, recent research showed that 94% of all companies and organizations in the U.S., uh, have some form of employee recognition that may be as little as a, an automatic email on your birthday, but most are a little bit bigger than that. But most employee recognition programs don't work in this sense. They don't help people actually feel valued and appreciated, partly because that's not what they were designed for. They were actually around performance issues. And so if you have an employee recognition program that sets out goals, you monitor them, and then reward them, that's what they're about, and they can work. You want people to do the right thing, but that's not the same as them feeling valued about it. Interestingly, there's some research that shows some problems with employee recognition. One study showed that 65% of North Americans, including Canadians in the study, uh, said they've received no recognition or appreciation at their workplace in the past year. And when I first saw this, I'm like, how can this be that they've not heard anything since we have all these employee recognition programs. And I think the key word is that they haven't received it, right? I have grandchildren that don't live close by, and we can send them a gift, but if they don't get the gift, they didn't get it, right? And so I think sometimes organizations do things for recognition uh, that just don't hit the mark. They don't really get to the person. And so there's this sense of missing the mark. Another study with a, a number of companies across the U.S. found that 58% of managers believe they do a pretty good job of showing recognition for work well done. I like this statistic. It feels realistic. It's not 95% I say I'm doing a great job, about half a little over say I'm doing okay. The problem is only 29% of the people who work for those managers feel like the manager is doing a good job. And so there's this disconnect there. And uh, when I first started this out, I was talking to some HR friends, and I said, you know, this employee recognition thing isn't working. And they said, we know, but we don't know what else to do. And that's still the case with as far as employee engagement still continues to decline over time, even though we have all these activities. So I want you to think, what do you think is the number one factor that actually affects how much people enjoy their jobs? What makes them feel good about their job? I'll give you two hints. It's not money, okay? And I have to tell you, most business leaders and managers, they think about money, benefits, compensation. 89% of managers in one study said, I think, you know, if they don't get paid enough, they're going to leave. But only 12% of employees say that they leave for more money. Now, they may get more money, but leaving a job takes a lot of emotional energy, right? It's like you have to sort of disengage, you get unhappy, you disengage, and then you have to look and re-engage. And so it takes an emotional driver to make that happen for somebody to actually decide to leave. And there's also a difference between what motivates people and what makes them feel valued and appreciated. People can be motivated about money and financial compensation, but that does not necessarily mean that they feel valued. In fact, I've talked to high-performing salespeople and they say, they don't really give a rip about me. As long as my numbers are good, it's okay. So there's a difference there. 
one study showed that 79% of people who leave a job voluntarily cite a lack of appreciation as, as one of the key factors. So almost 80%, four out of five people who leave. How many of you have problems with staff turnover, people leaving, not being able to fill the positions? Anybody? Okay. And so you've got to pay attention. In fact, if you remember one statistic, it's that one, the 79%. We'll come back to that. Actually, more recently, MIT, the Sloan School of Business, did a study where they found that in the great resignation of 21-22, that three times the people said they were leaving because they didn't feel appreciated in comparison to compensation issues. Not 3% more, not 30% more, three times. You got it? It's an issue for employees. And if you want to keep them, you need to pay attention to this. Whether you agree, don't understand it or not, welcome to reality, y'all, that we're dealing with a different set of expectations about work. Now, I'm not saying that we should have a parade. Janice showed up today. Woohoo! Let's have a parade. You know, that's not what, what we're talking about. So, I couldn't, you know, sort of pay for this kind of marketing, but the Boston Consulting Group did a research study of 200,000 people across the world and found that the number one factor, they gave a whole list of things that people could choose from, the number one factor that um, impacted how much people felt appreciated at work was feeling appreciated. Remember, it's not the same as employee recognition. What's the difference? People say, well, Paul sort of just, you know, netted out for me. Well, from our perspective, at least, recognition is largely about performance. And it's a good thing. We want to do it. Early on, I was sort of hard on recognition programs. Now, we've worked with a number of organizations that it's a both and, right? Because if you reward for um, doing a good job, but also, we believe appreciation is about the person. How many of you, besides me, are a person like outside of work. Anybody else a person? Okay. Maybe even at work, you're a person, right? I think one of the things that COVID and the pandemic taught us was that we have lives outside of work and the two impact each other, right? If something's going on outside of work, it impacts work. If something's going on at work, it impacts our personal life. And we really believe that employees are people. And as a follower of Christ, Along with Dr. Chapman, we believe that we're created by God in his image for his glory. And that we all have value regardless of performance. Yes, I'm, you know, I'm a psychologist, so yes, touchy-feely stuff. But uh, it's about work, all right? And we're going to see that appreciation and work go hand in hand. See the, the, the gal that looks pretty stressed Anybody ever gone through a tough time in life while you also are working, right? My wife and I had twins when we were in Phoenix away from family. Sleep deprivation the max. I would not wish twins on anybody, uh, at least for the first two years. After that, it's pretty fun. Uh, But, you know, there are times that people have difficult situations in their life, whether uh, it's a senior parent that they're having to care for, a spouse or a family member in the hospital, a teenager out of control, whatever. And do they cease to have value during that time? No. And I was a child protective services worker in Arizona, in Phoenix at that time, and I was not the best team member. I mean, I I did all right, 
But, and I didn't need a goal. I needed support. I needed understanding and caring as a person. So, first misconception that uh, a lot of leaders have is that employee recognition and authentic appreciation are the same. The second is what the goal of appreciation is. A lot of people think, you know, the goal is to help make people feel good. And we would like that to happen, right? We don't not want that to happen. But that's really not the goal in this situation in the workplace. The goal of appreciation, from my point of view, is to help create a healthy, well-functioning organization. Anybody want a healthy, well-functioning organization? Woohoo! Let's hear a woohoo for that. All right. So, you know, I think it's sort of like uh, oil in a in an engine, right? If you have an engine, pieces working together mechanically, no oil. There's friction. There's heat. There's maybe sparks. And it gets stuck, and it just takes more effort to get stuff done, right? But if you put oil into it, it flows better. And I think appreciation is like oil. It's not necessarily the goal or the mission of the organization, but it helps you get there better without heat, tension, sparks, lots of more effort, right? So here are some things that we know that happen when team members feel valued. First of all, Tasks get done. That's a good thing. Goals are reached. Team members work together well. There's less territorialism. Problems are addressed and challenges are overcome. Actually, when team members don't feel valued, creative problem solving goes down. Why? Because creative problem solving takes effort. And if you don't think anybody cares, you're going to say, I'm going to let somebody else deal with it, right? And they just pass it on. Also, turnover decreases. We've got strong numbers about that. Clients have positive experiences with you because your team members are enjoying their work, feel like they're doing what they're supposed to, they're getting valued for it, versus, you know, calling up and getting a really grumpy somebody that doesn't want to talk to you, and productivity and profitability increase. Um, I brought some books uh, that you can purchase if you want. They're usually 17 bucks. We're selling them for 10 and... Um, the second chapter has over 50 research citations of all the different kinds of things that improve in a business, including less uh, reported uh, injuries on the workplace, less staff, uh, uh, theft, all kinds of things. It's, now, if you look at that list, would you like to have an organization like that? Tasks get done, goals are reached. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, let's get there. Because, you, you know what, I know this is the bad part, but you, you're working with people, y'all. You realize that? <laughs> and so we got to deal with the people. And uh, I have a cartoon once, he said, my, my, you know, all I want is everybody to leave and leave me alone. You know, and, and it was sort of like he just would do better if he had worked alone. Third misconception is that appreciation is mainly just words. In our culture, when we hear appreciation, we think about words you know, thank you, maybe a compliment and so forth. And it can be thank you in whatever language it is, maybe a little note, um, or great job. By the way, we have, I guess right now, 85,000 people on our newsletter list, and we do polls occasionally. We did a poll, and we asked what people don't want to hear for appreciation. One of the top answers was, good job, all right? Knock it out of your, your vocabulary, y'all, because it doesn't mean anything to people because it doesn't take any thought or effort. Uh, tomorrow we'll talk 
about the specific ways to give effective compliments, but it's one of the keys is that you have to be specific. Don't just give a, a global good job or even great job, right? So words and appreciation aren't exactly the same thing. And in fact, most leaders, when uh, we talk to them, they believe that appreciation is primarily communicated through words. They say, okay, well, I tell them thanks, and I've written them a note and so forth, and then they don't know what else to do. But the reality is we have now... 395,000 people that have taken our online assessment. It's a decent data set, don't you think, for people? And uh, over 50% of people don't value words as the main way that they want to be shown appreciation. So if you only use words, hear me, if you only use words from the get-go, you are missing the mark with over half of your team members. So we need to get beyond that. Part of it is an acculturation thing. Part of it is it's sort of easy to do. But one of our core principles, and one of the things I had to get past, is that our core principles are not very deep and difficult to understand. It's like, okay, not everybody feels appreciated in the same way. I know that's like really new news to you, but it is true. The problem is, is that our actions don't always show that because we tend to do the same one or two things for everybody with good intention, but we don't know what else to do. So that's where the five languages come in. And yes, they are the same in name as the five love languages, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, tangible gifts, and yes, even physical touch. And we will do a group hug at the end because I know you're looking forward to that. So... Uh, so we're going to just briefly address each one, and uh, tomorrow we're going to go deep on them, as well as some other challenges and so forth. Words of affirmation, pretty easy to understand. They're words that are affirming. We are affirming verbally the worth and value of somebody else. And it, you know the most uh, common way is just sort of in a personal conversation. We'll talk about other forms, including writing and so forth, but... Basically, you're saying, I really value either this about you, a character quality, that you're dependable, that you're honest, you have integrity, or uh, about a specific action that they did. You know, that thanks for staying late and helping clean up from the event so that the room was ready for tomorrow morning's event. Okay? So words are the largest group of what people value, and we'll talk about the data tomorrow, but it's not, like I said, it's less than 50%. Quality time is the second language, and it's interesting that quality time uh, really differs generationally. We do research. Um, I publish at least 15 um, professional journal articles, um, and one of them uh, looked at quality time, the types of time that people like, and also differences between remote workers and, and in-person workers. Quality time has a very interesting sort of generational uh, interaction effect. For those of us that are a bit older, quality time largely meant time with our supervisor or manager. If, if they spent time with us, either listening to us or sharing uh, input about how to do something or listening to our ideas, we felt valued. But that's not true for younger workers. In fact, we just completed a study. I think it was, I don't know what the number is, 190,000 people were involved. And as we looked at generations and sort of did it through 
uh, decades of 65 or 60 plus, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s, every generation values time more than the prior generation. Okay? Words are still the number one, but it moves from um, about time being 26% to 35% for younger workers. Now, don't panic if you're an older leader, because just because a team member, especially a younger team member, has quality time as, as their language, doesn't mean they want time with you, okay? <laughs> you may be wonderful, you may be great, you have all kinds of wisdom, but they want to hang out with their friends and their peers. And so that's really what quality time is about for the younger team members, that they like to get together and do things, they like to do collaborative work projects and so forth. So one of the things we learned early on is just knowing a person's language of appreciation is not sufficient to really sort of communicate effectively. You also need to know the specific action within the language and from whom they want that. So for example, you may, or let's say a team member is going to have a barbecue and watch the Georgia Bulldogs beat up on somebody, um, and, uh, but they don't want to invite their supervisor, right? And so we um, get very specific in our assessment of that. Acts of service are not acts that uh, rescuing a low-performing colleague. They're small things that just show that you're getting to know the other person. Remember, appreciation is about the person. And so it can be something like, Bringing, let's say the two biggest contexts for acts of service are, first of all, somebody's working on a time-limited project, and they are working hard on it, banging away, trying to get uh, done with it, and it's what can you do to help out with that? And they could be bringing a meal into them, dinner, buying them dinner, bringing it in for them so they can keep working on it. could be that they delegate part of the task to you. It could be that you uh, intercept their phone calls and cover those so they can stay focused on the, on the project. So acts of service uh, is an important one because there are people that words don't mean as much. Have you ever known anybody that has sort of the mantra that words are cheap? Don't tell me, you support me, show me. And so there are certain people that if you talk at them, you actually may get a, a negative if their language is acts of service. So it's important to know what it is and also what they want. Culturally, in our culture, and I'll say mainly in the U.S., uh, that if you ask somebody that if you can help them with something, what's their first response? No, I'm good. I got it, right? Especially Minnesota, Chicago, all, I mean, they're like, no, I can do it by myself. And so, uh, so we have to teach people to how to get past that initial uh, sort of resistance because uh, it really can mean a lot to them. Tangible gifts are not bonuses. It's not raises. It's not benefits or compensation. That's between the employee and the employer. Uh, tangible gifts, again, hear me, are about finding out what your colleague likes um, and makes them feel special, right? So it could be, do anybody have an idea what the, the most commonly given gift is? Uh, or in the workplace? What? Gift cards. Gift cards actually are the second one. Um, it's food, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. Gift cards is an interesting one. We did research 
with, I don't know, 10,000 people or something, you find out what kind of gift cards do people like. Guess what? There's two groups of gift card people. There are people that like generic gift cards, Visa, Amazon, that kind of thing, so they can spend it on whatever. They can decide what they want to do. There are people that like very specific gift cards, so they can't spend it on whatever, right? So it's for their bookstore, it's for iTunes, it's for Cabela's if they're a fisherman or a hunter or whatever. So again, it's about specificity, that we can't do the same thing for everybody. Oh, I just, you know, the the issue of fairness comes up. And uh, you know what? People don't care if you are fair if they know that you you care about them. And uh, because I get this question all the time, what about, you know, somebody gets to go out to lunch and the other person gets a note, is that fair? Well, the response I teach people to say is, I didn't know that you really liked going out to lunch, and that would show that I appreciate you. I'd be glad to do that. But from the information I got from your inventory, you came out with words, so that's what I did. So we can always deal with it. Now, larger corporations, there's ways to deal with this. We break it down into units and really apply it into smaller groups. I would say this, especially for gifts. We found that A person's primary language of appreciation is also the language they are most easily offended in. All right? It's sort of like a radio, you know, or a TV. You can get good news, you can get bad news on it, and that's how your receptor works. Same thing with your language. People that have tangible gifts as their primary language, which is only 7%. So if you're spending a lot of money on gifts for people, there's a good chance you're wasting money uh, because... They get offended when everybody gets the same thing. This is the place where it is the thought that counts. It's not the amount of money. It's that you see a magazine on the rack, and it's like you're an SEC fan, and so they you know, get you a football magazine about that. Uh, or if you're planting a garden or something. So it's small things that are showing that you're getting to know the person. Physical touch. I love this one. So when I speak to HR managers, we have paramedics in the room because they say, we're going to get sued. And uh, that is not the case. Um, We're talking about appropriate physical touch. And appropriate physical touch, actually, we included it in the model. We wondered at first whether we should. Um, But Dr. Chapman's studied anthropology, and he said, you know, I don't want to advocate a touchless society even in the workplace, because there are times in an appropriate relationship at the right time and culture that touch can be deeply meaningful. Um, And I I experienced that personally. My sister died unexpectedly uh, a few years ago, and she and I were close, and it was a very deep, wounding experience for me. And there were times when I'd be in my office and I'd tear up and I'd remember something and and if if a team member was there or walked by and they saw it, you know, yeah, it can make you feel uncomfortable, but for them to say, you know, what's up? Are you okay? And I could tell a story. They didn't have to become my therapist, right? They didn't have to do anything. I just needed them to listen and, and hear what's going on with me. And, uh... Appropriate physical touch, we also included, mainly for this reason, it happens, okay? And it's spontaneous celebration. When something goes well at work, 
what, uh, what do people do? High five, right? What else? Fist bump, right? Philly, fist bump. Maybe a congratulatory handshake. And actually, cross-culturally, uh, a pat on the back is the most accepted uh, t- type of physical touch. We know that our, our resources are in, I don't know, 25 languages. Our assessment's in nine and uh, used in Thailand and Brazil and Europe. And it differs culturally. Right? I lived in Atlanta for a while. And so what kind of touch are you all doing in Atlanta and the southeast? Side hugs, right? I'm so glad to know you. And, uh, but uh, anybody here from New York? I know we got Del- Delaware people. Anybody in New York, New Jersey? Yeah, see, there aren't many Christians there. So anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> that is not true. There are a lot of Christ followers in New York. I don't know about New Jersey, but in New York. And, uh, and so this is what physical touches in New York. You ready? Hey. All right, and if they get closer than three feet, you check them for weapons, and then, you know, we have all security issues. But anyway, it's, um, physical touch is less than 1%, and it's always the recipient gets to tell, you know, what is appropriate for them. Fourth misconception is that the primary responsibility for communicating appreciation is falls to leaders, to supervisors and managers. And we started out that way, but we found fairly quickly, first of all, that team members wanted to know how to show appreciation and encouragement to one another. When somebody's having a bad day, who's the first person to know about it? Their colleague, right, that works alongside of them. And also, it's too much responsibility and heavy of a burden for a, a manager to sort of carry for everybody. And so we really focus on teaching team members how to show appreciation to one another. And it's really important to understand that because if you think it's top-down, um, you're going to have resistance from supervisors, from managers, and it's just not going to work as well. We want them involved, but it's not that they have to carry the load to communicate to everybody. The other thing, remember I talked about quality time? Younger employees want to know uh, or spend time with their compatriots. It's also true that younger employees want to know that they're appreciated by their peers and their colleagues. In the old days, there was a saying, people don't leave a job, they leave a manager, a boss, right? These days, that's not so true. Younger workers, as long as they are getting along well with their colleagues, can endure you or some other manager that they don't like as much. So one of the cool things that we learned over time is that appreciation is not top-down. It's not organizationally driven. It needs to be organizationally supported, but it's not driven that way. And that appreciation can flow in any direction at all. And the cool thing is it can be from whatever position, from a receptionist to a vice president. If, you know, he or she really uh, handled the situation well and this person observed it. And or we really encourage applying it across departments. Somebody in accounting can really value and appreciate some help from somebody in IT that helped get their computer or their program to work, even though they don't report to them. It's not organizational. It's just, thanks for taking the time and getting that fixed for me. And so it frees things up. One of the things about changing culture in a a company, it needs to be both structural. You have to structure some interactions, but it needs to be spontaneous as well. If it's only structural, it feels very cold and mechanical. If it's only spontaneous, it won't last very long. It'll sort of fizzle out. So, you know, people often ask, well, how do you find out how somebody wants to be appreciated? 
Well, I don't know about you, but if somebody says, well, Paul, if I want to show you appreciation, how should I show you appreciation? That's a weird question. Um, and, and also, I'm going to say, I don't know, tell me thanks, you know? Um, and that's about all you get. And so you don't really get much. Also, with love languages, Dr. Chapman talks about, you know, observing what the person does, and that's often the language that they want. That's not true for gift givers. Gift givers don't always like to receive gifts as much as they like to give them. But in the workplace, you don't have that many data points. You don't have that many opportunities to see how somebody either shows or receives appreciation, so it doesn't really work. That's why, you know, our inventory uh, works and continues to grow. I mean, we... We have about 200, 250 people take it a day. So we're going to hit, you know, 400,000 here fairly quick. Um, but also, we found that it's the specific actions. So we have versions of our inventory for general business, for schools, medical settings, ministries and nonprofits, government agencies, trades, um, Dentists, veterinarians, when we continue to create them, because an act of service looks very different to a school teacher than it does to a nurse in a hospital or to a carpenter, right? A carpenter in active services help come up, clean up the work site at the end of the day. And so uh, we created the, the Motivating by Appreciation inventory. It's been taken by a lot of people. And uh, it's just fun. And what's more fun is we share... I have a system of uh, allowing you to share the information among the team. It's nice to know what you think, but it's more important to find out what your team members think. And we actually developed a training uh, process and a train-the-trainer kit for internal HR people to be able to take and find out not only their languages, but the actions and how to communicate that. So, here's a fact. And you need to pay attention to that word, because... Psychologists hardly ever use the word fact, all right? Largely because they don't believe in them, I don't think. But we absolutely do know how to train team members to successfully communicate authentic appreciation. And we've done it. We haven't found a setting, type of setting that we've done it yet. We had a New York Times article written about our work with miners in South Dakota. You think about miners, you know, sort of tough guy kind of things. And they love our stuff, and we have visual symbols with each of the uh, languages, and they have stickers that they put on their hard hats when they take the assessment. And that's actually part of their onboarding process. They earn the right after their probation period, you know, of three months or six months, to be able to take the assessment and go through the training. And we've done it with a lot of places. Here's a number of our clients, and I put the big names out there, but, you know, we work with probably thousands of schools now, medical offices, um, manufacturing, you name it, professional practices, all that kind of stuff. Um, we work with ICE, uh, the um, law enforcement team. Um, we even work with TSA, and if we can work with TSA, hey, you know, you know talk about a tough job. Your, your job is to do things that your uh, clientele don't like or want. So... Here's the deal. Anybody successful at a diet that you never started? You me? Okay. Yeah. And it's the same thing. I work with tech people, with engineers, 
And they love to do Gantt charts and, you know, spreadsheets and figure out a plan. And then sometimes higher level business leaders want to sort of figure out how to do it all. All right? And that similarly within a workplace, we work best in communicating. I'll come in and speak to the leadership uh, or the whole team uh, sometimes and sort of explain the concepts and the language. You know, so if they talk about acts of service, people know what they're talking about. But then we find one or two leaders that would like to try it out with their group. And we do it a pilot group. And we've done it with DirecTV all across the organization, with Miller Coors, um, which I, I had an ethical issue I had to think through with Dr. Chapman. It's like, do we want to do this? Well, do these people deserve to be valued and appreciated? Yeah. I mean, I grew up as a Quaker and pretty conservative culturally that way, so I had to think through it, you know? And uh, so here's the deal. We have to get practical. So here's the practical deal. Get your phone or a pen out or something, and I want you to think of somebody you'd like to encourage. Appreciation is about the past. Encouragement is about the present or the future. Same actions communicate the same. Here's three groups you might pull from. One, somebody that you work with on a day-to-day basis that if they didn't do what they do, your life would be a lot tougher. You got somebody in mind? Okay. Secondly, what was that number I wanted you to remember? Anybody remember? 79%. 79% of people who don't feel valued, well, let me say, I want to make sure I quote the stat right. Of people who leave voluntarily, they cite a lack of appreciation as one of the key factors 79% of the time. If you have a key team member that you do not want to lose, that your organization would struggle if they weren't a part, you better make sure they're on your radar to show appreciation or they are on the trading block. All right? Third group, people that are discouraged. Some of us get into tasks or projects that are tough and we keep hitting challenges and obstacles and we have to work through them and you want to encourage them to keep going. So of those three groups, I want you to think of somebody Think of their name, their initials, and then I want you to identify for what do you want to communicate appreciation. What do you value about them? And it's not just to give you some ideas about performance, it's not always performance. There are things that we can value about people that don't, don't really tie directly into their performance. For example, I personally like to work with cheerful people more than grumpy people. Right? It may not tie into their performance necessarily, but I have a team member that's just got a delightful smile and laugh, and I love it when she's around because she just sort of lights up the office. Also, it doesn't have to be about work. You can value, let's say you have a team member that's struggling, still learning their, their position and responsibilities, and there, uh, let's say it's Dave, and Dave is training for a half marathon. You say, Dave, man, that is so cool that you have the self-discipline to train for the marathon, half marathon. Or you have a single mother who's really committed to her kids. You say, Marta, man, I am just so impressed with how committed you are to your kids and how much you love them. Is it about work? No. Is it about her? Absolutely. Does it create a sense of value, of connection, of loyalty? Yes, if you need that motivation. So it doesn't always have to be about work. 
and then figure out how and when you're going to communicate it. Now, for those, if, if you're thinking about somebody in the room, there's this thing we deal with in the book called the weirdness factor, and that is, you know, well, we just talked about it, so you think I'm just doing it because Dr. White said we're supposed to do this. So here, here's a little sentence to him to help you pass that. You say, I know you may think I'm saying this just because we had this wonderful speech by Dr. White, and... Uh, <laughs> By the way, on webinars at the end, I just tell myself I did a great job because I get no feedback at all from the audience. But, but uh, uh, and you say, well, in spite of that, I, just, I really do value or appreciate you for this. Okay, so I'm not. Gonna, I haven't seen too many people move, so I'm going to wait till I see some people move about writing some stuff down or your phone or whatever because I want you to apply it. If you do not apply it, it does not go anywhere. It just doesn't magically appear, right? And if you want somebody else to do it, it might be good to start with you, right? Now, I cannot think of a better, more practical way to show the love of Christ, the people that you work with and who work for you, than finding out the specific way they feel valued and communicating that to them. That has been a vision of mine from the get-go, to be honest, the secular workforce gets this seemingly more than Christian organizations. I study toxic organizations, and the worst examples were Christian ones. But I believe those of us who are followers of Christ have the opportunity to practically show how we care about and are interested in people by finding out how they like to be shown that they're appreciated in doing it in that way. So yes, let's all please take Dr. White's encouragement to find out how folks around us want to be appreciated. And and let's be intentional in our effort to care for others. And as we're reminded in scripture, to think of them more highly than we think of ourselves. Well, if you haven't done it recently, please click over to the FCCI website and find out how you can connect with our webinars, local events, and so much more. If we can serve your Christian leadership, please don't hesitate to reach out to us here at FCCI. We want to support your calling to transform the world through Christ. And would you let others know about the Pathway to Purpose podcast? Thanks for listening, and may God empower your journey as you lead a company for Christ.